Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in K-Pop. This is your host, Anthea Isik, and I uh, hope you're all doing great and staying safe. This is a new week, so whatever you're planning to do or whatever you're going to continue from your last week schedules, I'm just sending you a lot of goodness and positivity so that you get to do a lot more greater stuff this week. And for today's episode... as i mentioned earlier it will be an interview come conversation with brook morrison a famous youtuber and journalist who is entertaining kpop world with her reaction videos and multiple interviews with different artists so make sure to tune in and listen to our conversation it was such a fun one and i'm really thankful that she had the time and uh, this interview was made possible it was such an insightful conversation so i also hope that you have a great time listening to it i have a very beautiful person outside and inside to start your june so i am grateful to introduce brook morrison to our episode hello hello how you doing what's going on i'm good how are you I'm doing well. I'm, I'm a little tired. It's 8 a.m. over here, but you know I tend to sleep in a lot, so that's my fault. But I'm I'm doing good. Well, thank you for giving us this time, and I'm sure that the listeners are eager to know a lot about your K-pop adventure, your whole journey, yeah. and a lot. And before starting our conversation, I'm sure that most of the viewers are already familiar with your name and ah. your voice. So. Oh God. in case in case if people have been living under a rock and missed brooks content here's a little bio about her she is an on air host she has been doing a lot of interviews and she has been working with different companies including radio and tv channels um, a lot of notable companies interviewing a lot of people like i literally saw her recent reel uh it's not a very recent one but her year starting reel and i'm just blown mm-hmm. away of how grateful things you have been doing so Thank she you. has been in the industry for more, almost a decade so that's 10 mm-hmm. years and yeah. you have experience in on screen hosting voice over production event management so i have a all rounder here who can <laughs> be doing everything so Oh. Of course <laughs> she's here because she is a fan of K-pop and doing a lot of things related to K-pop. So mm-hmm. she started her K-pop journey one and a half years ago. I'm right like as in producing yeah. content for K- K-pop yeah. and um from reaction videos to some unbelievable interviews. She has a Thank lot you. under her belt and I should definitely mention some of her most notable interviews. those start from luna chongha ab6 and finally people i'm screaming it's jackson wang and i'm an other say here so god 
you know how I feel. So thank you so much for joining. Yeah, of course. That was a very wow. I've never gotten an intro like that before. So thank you. Um, I'm I'm happy to be here. Yeah, just kind of making things happen. You know, it, K-pop was something that I got into back in like 2009, and then um, kind of forgot about for a while because um, I was working in other formats like uh, hip hop. I was in hip hop for three years, and then Top 40. And now that you know, hip hop's kind of taking. I mean, um, K-pop's kind of taking over. It you know slapped me back in the face, and I was like, oh yeah, this. Is this and it's freaking amazing and so i've just been doing it ever since well yeah so uh i'm definitely going to talk about your k-pop journey in detail so before that cool. i just wanted to add one more point which is you interviewed nile nile horn show yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. i'm a huge directioner like one direction is my first boy band that i fell in love with good night you <laughs> yes then you interviewed Jackson Wang, who is mm -hmm. part of God Seven, which is my ultimate bias from K-pop. So nice. nice. Have you been watching me all these years, <laughs> noting down who are Andy's yes. favorite? <laughs> yes, and um, whoever your favorite is next, I'll interview them. I don't know who your favorite is next, but wait, <laughs> who else is your favorite? Who would you die? Who like whoever else I got to interview? Die? Like, there's a lot of people, and I'm sure <laughs> there that. You know, like it I really know, is. Know. Yeah, yeah, and that's including Chance because oh. Power Rangers. I am a huge fan of Power Rangers. Mm. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I think they just stopped filming. I think he's like on his way back to LA sometime soon, or might already be. But yeah, I think they just finished uh, all that filming out in New Zealand, wherever they were doing cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Dino Fury, guys. I know this is a K-pop podcast, but. Dino Fury, please watch it. <laughs> well, I'm a very huge fan of Power Rangers. I got to interview nice. two of them. Okay. Different seasons. It was such nice. Okay. Back to K-pop. <laughs> well, again, so early morning, first interview. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. And I hope that my questions are as interesting for you to answer. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> So let us start with your journey, of course, like you have a different record. You said you started following K-pop in 2009. So I'm really eager to know who was the first group and what was your first enemy and everything. I just wanted to know. Uh, the first group I ever saw was Girls' Generation. Mm -hmm. um, and that's around the time when I think the only reason why I was able to find it is because YouTube had uh, incorporated Vivo into the platform so all of a sudden they started to host all these music videos from all over the world onto youtube and that's when i found it because it was you know like you would never see it before like on mtv or anything unless there was like a specific k-pop section which i really don't think there was on us mtv um but you know we just never we were never be like able to see anything that was happening on like the other side of the world so that was the first time that i saw all of these music videos just like loaded onto YouTube at the same time. And so I would go through and I would just kind of like look at different things and see what was happening and came across G and O from Girls' Generation and then eventually Run Devil Run, which also is, you know, recorded by Kesha. And um, I, I fell in love with those songs. So I did like back in 09 have like a bunch of Girls' Generation like songs in Korean on my iPod, what the iPod at the time. Um, but yeah, so it was, 
it was like kind of an interesting start because I really didn't even get into it like I am today. I was just like, oh my God, this exists and it's a girl K-pop group. And that's crazy. Like, what is this? They have like 82 members. And then um, I started to watch K-dramas as well. But the only one that I really focused on was Boys Over Flowers, which now I know is like a huge deal and was like major in Korea. And like all the teenage boys wanted to look like Gu Pyo and like everything. It was just crazy. So now that I know that, I was like, wow, I kind of know a part of like that cultural history just from having, you know, experienced it over here in the States, just like from a world apart. So it was like, it's, it's been interesting that kind of knowing that it existed then and then like forgetting about it for such a long time and then coming back and seeing how it's like developed and how it's just grown and all these groups I didn't really know who BTS was until I was in radio and uh Steve Aoki had collaborated with them and so that was the only time that I knew about them but it's kind of been like an ongoing process for me it's like you know coming in and out of that kind of stuff so when was the second wave when you were when you totally decided yes I'm diving in it was it was last year it was last june um my my mom actually passed away and my sister uh it, one of the things that got her through it was bts and even when we were all back in st louis taking care of my mom you know knowing that she was eventually going to pass away and everything so it was kind of like this weird three month period of us just kind of like everything sucked you know like uh blair would sit there on her phone and laugh at her phone watching bts um you know compilations of them doing funny stupid things on youtube and i would always be like what are you watching what like can you not scream in this hospital room like you're being too loud uh but eventually she would show me a lot of the videos and they were hilarious and so the second wave for me was really bts and finding something outside of, you know, work and, you know, what was going on in my day-to-day -day reality that helped me get through the day. And that really was BTS. And it still is to this day. Like, I can't go a day without, like, watching TikToks or um, YouTube or something. Like, it, they all really are, at this point, a very large part of my day. So that was kind of the second wave was, like, last June. Well, that's really amazing. And uh, apart from what we discussed I know it was a hard time and I did get to see some of your stories. So I just wanted to say that you are really doing amazing. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. That's always, that's always good to hear. Yes. So yeah, like everybody loves K-pop. Yes. At least most of them. And we, in, uh, like initially we start our career as fangirls. So there is a sudden point where you realize that you wanted to do some K content or do something with the love you have. Because as mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier, I was a fan of One Direction and all that was there. But still, I was just being a fan girl. But my journey with K-pop was different. And it is the same for you. So when did you actually decide that maybe we should try some content related to K-pop? Um, yeah, I mean, I got frustrated with radio, honestly, um, because again, like this was something that had become such a big part of my life. And so by like June or July, uh, beginning of August, I had become so happy with K-pop and so enthralled with everything. Cause it wasn't just BTS, you know, like it was BTS first and it'll always be my old group. But like then, you know, if you are somebody who actually appreciates kind of everything that's going on in music and that world and the industry, then all of a sudden you're going to discover all of these other groups and you're going to kind of like fall into this rabbit hole of like, you know, learning about the 
3000 members of the K-pop industry. Cause you know, every group has, you know, at least four or five people in it. So it's, it was something that I was just like every single day, I wanted to know more and more and more and more and more about, and I could not get enough of it. And radio was not letting me do anything with it. And, and, and that blew my mind. Cause um, BTS was uh, about to come out with dynamite and dynamite was an English single and they're about to go like huge and everything. And I just remember having this conversation with one of my coworkers at the radio station. And he kept saying, you know, like, why would we play their music? All of them, you know, all their fans are bots, you know, like, why would we do that? Because they don't actually exist. And I remember getting so frustrated. I was like, what Steve Aoki has collaborated with them. Like Zara Larson has collaborated, like all of the artists that we play have not only collaborated, but like just recognize that they're artists to be reckoned with. And like, they're people that you would want to work with, you know, on some level. So if all of the artists that we play are seeing this and doing this and actually acting on it, then why are we sitting here saying all of their fans are bots and there's no reason to play the music or to react with them? Um, and I love fandom culture. I love fans. I think, uh, you know, again, I started as a fan of music and, and you know, sitting in front of my my TV and watching MTV and Fuse and VH1 and everything. And I wanted to do it someday. So to just like write off fans as people who don't matter and, you know, as little girls and all this other stuff, it just blew my mind that like working in radio, you still came across this mindset. Um, it, it's just so, it's so old. It's not forward thinking at all. It's like, what are, what? So I, I got frustrated with my own reality. I was like, why wouldn't we not play BTS, the biggest group in the world on a radio station in a top 15 market? Um, and that was really what changed my mind is like, well, I'm going to at least talk about it on my own time. You know, like if I, if you won't let me talk about it on the radio, that I at least want to share this with somebody somehow, whether it's on Twitter or YouTube or Blair, you know, my sister or something, I needed to just talk about it to somebody. So that's when I really started to do just simple reaction videos, because, um, you know, I knew that it was something people enjoyed watching was, you know, like mm -hmm. somebody who could relate to them on that level and watch their favorite artist or their favorite group and watch them perform or watch their music video and kind of, you know, they want to see somebody enjoy their artists just like they do. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think it's, it's such an easy way to share the love that you have of this kind of music with others from around the world. So that's when I really, you know, took, took advantage of YouTube. That was the first time when I was like, okay, well, we're just, we'll just do some YouTube videos, you know, like you don't just randomly start a YouTube channel. And I was just like, yeah, let's go. So that's, that's where that came. Sorry. It's a long explanation, but yeah. So it was, it was about like last summer. <laughs> Well, I needed that explanation, and that's exactly why the question is. So, I'm not regretting. Yeah. So, we needed to know a lot of, about you. So, that's why this entire episode is. Good. So, yeah, you know, like what just started randomly brought you a lot of fans, a different fandom culture, as you mentioned, and a lot of interviews, not to forget. So, when the interviews started happening, how you it was so that was i mean i already have a lot of mm -hmm. um connections in the industry uh from working in radio and what was wonderful was that i knew uh, a man named michael lieberman who is with 88 rising and he was kind of the first person to be like oh hey you know like I have these K-pop artists that a lot of radio just aren't paying attention to, but they would still love us, you know, marketing and PR and, um, you know, some shine in any way. And so that's why those started, which was great. The first big one I think I had was Luna. 
Um, and that was so it was so interesting to me. It was the first time I needed like a live translator and, you know, it was just such a different experience that was last fall, I believe, or maybe September or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but, um, it was, it was, it was something that opened those doors for me. And I, you know, realized that, you know, the more people that I reach out to who actually, you know, I can actually say, I want to not only talk to your artists, but I want them to get the shine that they deserve, um, was really kind of, it opened those doors. And then I was able to, you know, meet, meet up with Warner Music Korea. And that has opened, you know, more doors to like AB6 and Sean. Um, so that's been great. So I only hope for more things like that as time goes on. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, any memorable moments during your interview? Anything that well, you still the, hold so close to your heart? Yeah. Uh, well, memorable for me was when I was doing the Luna interview, I didn't understand how the translator was going to work. And so I ended up starting to talk when the translator was trying to translate. And then I, they stopped me and they were like, Brooke, they're trying to tell you what they said. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm so sorry. And so that was memorable for me because I was super embarrassed. Um, but the second, I mean, honestly, there have been memorable moments from all of them. Like Chung Ha said that she liked my hair. That was great. Uh, Jackson Wang told me he liked I was expecting videos. that. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, all, there's cute stuff. <laughs> the boat. Yeah. But like, Chung Ha and Jackson. That's what I'm saying, though, is like, they're all such wonderful people. I have yet to meet a K pop artist who has not been attentive and actually like dedicated to the interview you itself and like actually giving a crap about like how it comes out and like uh, of course they want to come across as nice people as well um which is always a thing but it's such a difference from western artists uh who really do not care if they come across as nice and um treat a lot of them treat interviews as something that is you know inconvenient or you know something that they just have to do for radio promo so that kind of sucks a lot of the time but like k-pop artists have, have had like nothing but good experiences so I, I would say like every single interview is just like a reminder that like it's just so fun and cool and like i'm, I'm on the right path to doing something great yeah that's really so cool and uh, a lot of wishes from my side and the listeners as well yeah thank you i appreciate it i hope more amazing things are going to happen and now you know like i think even like monster x i think announced that they're going back on tour like next year so i think we're about to hear a lot more you know things coming so we'll see so this is a question to pull your legs i just wanted to know mm -hmm. who are your current favorite groups okay. and your recent playlist some singles that mm -hmm. you have been repeating this may Oh God. Um, so my favorite groups, oh, this is so funny. I was just like, in, you know how you're, you're like in the shower and you just like think about like, oh my God, if everybody, if anybody ever asked me what my top five or top 10 would be, what would I say? So I was in the shower doing that. And, um, I think, okay. So BTS is my top group. I would say twice is my second. It's is my third ATs and stray kids. So those are my Top groups. I have been obsessed with ATs lately. I think they're all such amazing performers and they're obviously very talented. They start started as a dance group, but uh, of course, like the girl groups for me, like I love seeing epic women doing epic things. So twice in Itzy or like, I just like stare at them. Oh, you can see there's like an Itzy poster behind me. Uh, so yeah, I'm like really obsessed with them and Lujin will uh, be the death of me. She is my wife from Itzy. Uh, but as far as like my playlist goes, I actually just made like a K it's called K-pop now in my, in my phone, which honestly, it's not really now. It's like from all years of K-pop that I love, um, including like old school shiny stuff. 
but uh, it's like nine hours long. So there is a lot, there's a lot of stuff on there. Yeah. And it's, it's like everything from like entire albums, um, definitely a crap ton of BTS stuff. ATs. I absolutely love, I believe one of their albums is called utopia or something like that. And it's Mm -hmm. like that entire album. It's like a light blue color. That entire album is just a freaking banger. I love it so much. And then like twice his new song, Kuda Kuda is amazing. I love that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, advice. I mean, I just put out a reaction video to that. So good. So good. It's so good. I mean, and TXT is coming out with some great stuff lately too. So there, I mean, there's just a lot. And then you have, uh, like Dean and, uh, obviously this is older, but Instagram, the song from 2018 is still one of my favorites. Uh, there's just a lot, there's a lot. Then that's what I love so much about, the industry and K-pop is every single day. There's something new to love and to look into and they're breaking barriers and they're like, you know, addressing androgynously. I don't know if that's a word, but everything is just such like, it's, it's an experience. And so it like every single day, there's like a new song that I'm obsessed with. Yeah. So I was expecting you to go, you know, like even more. So yeah, I'm kind (laughs) of more satisfied with the answer. (laughs) Yeah, so um, speaking of K-pop and how much we love K-pop, I just wanted Mm -hmm. to know, like, being a media personality, what would be your idea? Like, what do you think that it is the reason for K-pop growing this phenomenal in the world? Mm. Uh, It's uh, a... Okay, so I think a lot of it shifted during the pandemic. I think we all realize that all of our artists just took a break, you know, like instead of, you know, like getting in a studio or releasing music or something like that, they, they were all just like, well, here's my time to like, you know, not do anything, and which is fine. You know, like, again, everybody deserves um, to take care of their mental health. A uh, global pandemic is obviously, you know, something where, yes, take all the time that you need and take a break from you working and whatever. But um, one industry that did not let up at all was K-pop and they continued to put out stuff like normal. They continued to do shows and performances and album drops and, you know, vlogs and like, you know, BTS still did run BTS and then they did in the soup and just all this other stuff, all this content came out. So I think a lot of people who were spending time on the internet were seeing all of this and they were relating to it on a level where they were like, okay, well, if I'm stuck inside, at least they're not, or if I'm stuck inside, at least I can enjoy something that's going on over here. And it was people just taking the time to look into it. It was people opening their minds to something that would have been a little bit different. Cause over here, like our music industry is such a process. It's such a constant kind of like go, go, go situation. Um, Concerts are always happening. Festivals are always happening. Everything is very hip hop based. So there's a lot of culture that comes along with that. And so I think um, when, when the pandemic shut everything down, a lot of that culture stopped because these festivals, these shows, you know, like nothing was happening. I mean, Drake couldn't go out and throw money at people anymore, you know? So like K-pop was something that they could continue doing because it's such like an isolated kind of market. They're able to do other performances from inside. They're able to produce an amazing concert from inside of a stadium on their own. They have the budgets, they have the teams, they have the production quality, you know, they had everything. So I really think that the pandemic helped K-pop quite a bit. But on top of that, it's just basically that it's just amazing. We don't have our artists who dance anymore. You know, like we don't have choreo. We don't have this production value, maybe for like an Ariana Grande show, maybe for like a Travis Scott performance. Uh, But even that, 
is, you know, the people, you know, standing on stage and singing and like, that's great. Like, I, again, like if you want to see your favorite artist, go sing and stand on stage, like that's dope, do what you got to do. Um, but something that I realized with K-pop is the performance um, aspect of it. It's just, it's there and it's, it's heavy. It's in your face. It's beautiful. Um, there's so many different, you know, th things that go on behind the scenes, so many different parts and mechanisms. And, and just, I it, like everybody from the actual groups themselves to the backup dancers and the lighting guys and just like everything that's happening, every single like a uh, K-pop idol has their own management, you know, like they have a manager that follows them around every single day and make sure that they're good. And so they actually kind of care about their artists in a way that I don't think we've done in a very long time. So there's just this overall feeling of music is still happening and it's still exciting and it's still big. It's still like, you know, they're making songs that they're trying to push the envelope every single day to make it sound different from the next group that just dropped something last week. So it's, it's just still this, this production quality and, and they're, they're constantly doing something new. So I would say like, you know, especially for Western fans, I think there's a lot of stuff that we just let go. Like, especially when, it, I mean, like, obviously I come from radio and I think there's a lot of things we need to fix in radio, but um, I think that uh, things really stopped moving forward in the way that K-pop is moving forward, like for us, like 15 years ago. So it's still, it's just that feeling of, you know, everything's still exciting. The music is bomb. The performances are bomb. These guys are young and excited and talented. And so it's just fun to watch. I think that's why. So again, you know, like from a media personality perspective, would mm -hmm. you like to comment on media portraying K-pop or covering K-pop. So what are just mm. your random thoughts or are there certain perspectives that you have and you would like to share? Yeah, it's, um, again, it's like, you know, I've already talked about radio and how it covers <laughs> like K-pop. Uh, I think it's getting better, but again, it's like, I think they're realizing they can also make money from it. So that's, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why it's getting better. Uh, but as far as other media goes, I really just think there's just a, a lack of communication and a lack of understanding a lot of the time if there's something that gets lost in translation um, or if there's something that, you know, people don't understand the gravity of. Because I know a lot of Western publications get, you know, um, reamed whenever they bring up, you know, military service for Koreans or when they bring up something like a scandal that, you know, a lot of K-pop fans would like to forget or maybe, you know, like a shiny and what happened with them, you know, like it just, um, you know, dealing with suicide and, and mental health and everything. So there, there are a lot of things that are obviously cultural differences, but I will say, I don't think the media out here is out to get K-pop. I don't think they're not covering it for um, a, a selfish reason. Again, it's like radio is kind of like a different situation because the radio is all about making money. So they're going to, they're going to do whatever makes them money. Um, but as far as, as far as media goes, I mean, they're obviously finally catching on to the power that these fandoms have on social media, which is why they're all like, well, let's do stuff with all these groups. Oh, my God, let's do everything. Um, but I do I do really think a lot of the time when there is something negative that comes out, um, it really is just a lack of understanding or it's ignorance which shouldn't be happening. I do think they need to hire more Asian Americans. I do think they need to hire uh, people who are fans, you know, but I think there's this stigma against fans who, um, you know, they, they think that they're all, you know, stupid and they're all, you know, whiny children or girls or something. So why would we hire a Stan or a fan if, 
you know, they're just going to sit here in the corner of the office and scream all day. And that's not the truth. You know, like there are, you know, people of all ages, of all backgrounds, education, um, of all races, uh, you know, people who are doctors, who are huge gym and stands. You know what I mean? Like there, there are people out here who do amazing things who would be able to contribute to places like that. Um, but I don't think they're giving them the chances, which I think is unfortunate. So there's still a lack of full coverage. I definitely think that um, there's still um, a part of me that wants to shake whoever writes some of these articles. But at the end of the day, like I said, I don't think anybody's doing it out of sight. Um, I, there might be something different with like an MTV or, you know, an iHeart or something. But I, I do think that the media is catching on. It's just really slow. Well, yeah. So are there any artists that you would like to interview? I know everybody is there, but not like there are some personal favorites. Of course, literally BD is the first. BD is the first. You can yeah. take the throne. Yep, BTS is first. Uh, always. I I would really actually love to talk to ATs um, because I'm a huge fan of Hong Jung and his leadership style. Uh, I, I think they're all so fascinating. I, they're all such good dancers. I cannot, I'd like, I, yes. So I would love to talk to them. I would love to talk to Itzy or Twice. Um, I know that's a little bit harder, um, but I, I don't know. I would say these are like my top five groups, of course, but like I would say also Stray Kids, but I also really admire Felix and Bang Chan and everything that, they, that they've done, you know, especially Felix having come from Australia and not knowing uh, any Korean whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, having to start over in that sense, I think is admirable. And I would love to, you know, talk to him on any level. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously I've already talked to Jackson. That was like a huge, that was like a huge thing for me. That was massive. Happy. Anybody that I really get to talk to that comes from K-pop, there's, you know, I'm, I'm excited and I'm happy for it. But I, I think ATs would be great. Okay, so let us come back to some releases. So are there any releases that you are getting excited for this June, like June month? Yeah, yeah, Twice is coming back for sure. Mm -hmm. Taste of Love, they're like releasing all of the, you know, little teasers and everything and they look amazing. I love the, the first teaser video that they had for that. Uh, I'm waiting. I don't know if this is going to happen. They keep saying, you know, Stray Kids might have something on the way, but nothing like substantial has really come out about that yet. But I think they're like, oh, it might happen. Merk. Um, so that'd be great if it did. Uh, and then anything from the GOT7 guys. I, I'm not sure if it's all going to be solo. I'm not sure if they're going to come out with anything altogether. But I would love to see, you know, I think Bam Bam has been working on something that's going to come out this month. I think JB has been working on something that might come out this month. So those would be something that I'd love to see uh, them personally, or, you know, as solo artists, having them, you know, come up with whatever they want to creatively, uh, you know, without being under the JYP, you know, situation. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. So Srik, it's probably after the kingdom is done because... Yeah. Last time after the Road to Kingdom was done, we had almost comebacks from every group after that. Yes. Yes. So that means like BTOB. Yes. Hell yeah. yeah. What? I can't. Yeah. Like everybody will be planning for a comeback and yeah, so a lot more coming. Need, need ATs and Stray Kids. What's up? I just tweeted that yesterday. I was like, I need some new, some new ATs and Stray Kids. Well, yeah, thank you. So I really think that we almost spoke about what are the things that you're looking forward to. But if there is something that I missed and it is still in your bucket list of 2021, what would it oh. be? Ah, 
I think honestly, I would love to be, um, you know, for myself personally, uh, I would love to work with a bigger brand and help them, um, you know, help kind of like bridge the gap between K-pop and the Western industry. Cause I do come from radio and I do come from knowing that side of things. And, um, I would love to be able to, to work on something with like an Apple music or a Sirius XM or a Spotify, uh, on, you know, maybe a show of some sort or something. There is something, um, you know, kind of in the works with another brand that I'm working on, uh, which should be pretty cool. But I, I would say like, that's probably on my bucket list, but just because it would kind of help me share this a little bit more. Cause I, you know, I can do as much as I can on YouTube, but obviously working with a bigger brand is not only helping the brand get to know a lot of these artists and like, you know, kind of open their eyes to K-pop, but also helping fans here who might not know that much about K-pop open their eyes to, you know, an incredibly amazing whole new world of music that they've been ignoring for a long time. Cause they think it's dumb or they think it's, you know, still kind of like cheesy or something like that. But um, that, that's something that I would love to do for this year is, is work on some sort of like grander show, but we'll see. Okay. So thank you so much for joining. It was such a delight getting to know you and also yeah. having you in the episode. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And I'm sorry about the time difference. I literally thought you were like on the East Coast for some reason. I was like, what the entire crap? What do you mean? It's going to be like 1.30 in the morning. But um, no, I'm, I'm glad you worked with me on that. <laughs> I was like, what? But yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you had me on. This was fun. Yeah. So finally, for the viewers, of course, now you know where to reach out to Brooke's videos. It's YouTube. And yeah. finally, would you like to give you a social media account so that our viewers can follow? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at OnAirBrooke, or you can find me on Instagram at I am Brooke Morrison. Okay, so as for Believe in K-Pop, you can follow us on Instagram at Believe in K-Pop. And for me, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Anthea Isaac. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed our conversation and I'm sure we can bring Brooke back if some comeback happens and Definitely. we're going to talk about a lot about K-pop, we are bringing back. So yeah. don't worry. And um, as for this new week, take care, stay safe, and always remember to spread love and be loved. This is Anthea Isik. Bye. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.